Hello everyone, welcome to this episode of the Tunde Co podcast. Today I'll be talking about how to identify a God-fearing spouse to be. Hmm, how do you identify a God-fearing spouse to be? If you are like me, you may have heard many preachers say things like, anyone you want to marry must be God-fearing. Ensure you marry a God-fearing person. You know, you hear some parents say, don't bring a a person who does not fear the Lord into this house. And it's one of the reasons why I believe many parents tend to encourage their children to find someone in their local church to marry. And I think because many people have also bought into this idea of finding or getting married to a God-fearing person, that's why they look solely in the church to, I mean the church they attend, their local church, to find someone to marry. Am I condemning finding or getting married to a God-fearing person? Absolutely no. The challenge is this. Even though many people in our society, many Christians particularly, you know, are looking for a God-fearing person, they've not been able to learn how to identify a God-fearing person. And even having had conversations with many Christians, I mean Christian singles, and having worked with many single Christians, I have observed that people seem to have a a different perspective or understanding, even definition of what it means to fear the Lord. So what I'm going to be doing in this podcast is to help single people to know how to identify a God-fearing spouse to be. Now, if you attend Christian um, single meetings, and single people were asked this question, what qualities are you looking for in a life partner? You hear them say things like, um, it must be God-fearing. So if you listen carefully to them, among the first five qualities, a typical Christian, I mean single Christian, we call out is a God-fearing person. Right, so a majority of Christians, Christian singles want to marry a God-fearing person. Fantastic! We are children of God, right? So, as children of God, we want to marry someone who is God-fearing. Fantastic! So, but why do you want to marry a God-fearing person? Maybe you believe that they are good people, or you can go to church together with them. You know, you have a church body, somebody to go to church together with you. You have a Christian husband or wife with whom you can... Raise your kids. Good. So many people have many reasons for wanting to marry a God-fearing person. Fantastic. Now, my next question is this. How would you describe a God-fearing person? Is it by their mannerisms? I mean, distinctive quality or style. Is it their looks? I mean, their dressing style. You know, if that lady wears a long dress, she doesn't show off her legs. You know, that guy doesn't have tattoos. He must fear the Lord. Are you going by looks? Or are you going by their behavior? You know, how they conduct themselves. They are so kind. They are so uh, respectful. You know, some guys are so respectful. If they want to come out of the door, if they want to come through the door of the church and the lady is standing at the door, you know, they allow the lady to go first. You know, that's isn't that great? No, so they are very, they are very gentle. Gentlemen, isn't it? Good one. Or some ladies, 
if some things needed to be done in church, maybe hospitality or welfare, you know, these girls, these girls are, you know, they have a passion for the Lord. They are the first people to show up and to volunteer the time. Oh, fantastic. Okay, their behavior, that's a good one. Right on. Next one, so, is it their manner of speaking? You know, they are soft-spoken. I want to believe that you have a piece of paper or you have your requirement on your table or on your phone, which you are checking these qualities against, right? So, let's carry on. I'm having fun here. I hope you are too. Nice one. So, man, uh, man, I was speaking soft-spoken, you know, they can say, bless you, sir, bless you, brother, the Lord bless you. Oh, sister, God bless you. Okay. So, uh, is that how you define a God-fearing person? Okay. What about repeated words like, praise the Lord, God is good, hallelujah, God is good all the time, the Lord is my God, the Lord is my Father, oh, hallelujah. Is that how you describe a God-fearing person? Okay, maybe regular church attendance. You know, they come to church very often. They don't miss any church service. They don't meet, I mean, Sunday service, Wednesday service, Zoom meeting, anything that has to do with church, they are always there. Okay. Or is it that they pray in tongues? No, they can, these guys can pray. You know, you attend some church meetings, uh, maybe prayer meeting, and you see this guy, this handsome guy who can pray. And as a result, you think he's God-fearing. All right. Or is it that they serve in the local church, they will never miss any men's activity or ladies' activity in the church to serve? I mean, any opportunity to serve in your local church? I mean, is that how you identify or recognize uh, a God-fearing person? Now, I'm not trying to say that the positive things that I've called out in these attributes of a God-fearing person, I'm not saying they are not good, right? But I'm just trying to help you look at your context and the scope of your definition of who a God-fearing person is. All right. Or is it because that person, this person can quote scriptures? You know, they know how to connect the verses of the Bible. You know, even in their sleep, if you should wake them up, they will quote Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 5 to you. You know, there's a way they quote the scripture with effect. With the, Now, let's say, let's use a guy as an example. There's a way they quote scriptures with the vibration of their tongue that make you feel like, oh man, this guy feels the Lord. He knows the word of God. You know what? You want to hear this? I have listened to people several times. And my understanding of the word of God helped me to clearly recognize people who do not understand the word of God. I can see the audience blown away by the gesticulation, charismatic movement, display, dramatic expression of the preacher. But knowing what the word of God says in context and in content help me to actually identify that that person does not know the word of God. Now, I want to say something to you. The level of understanding you have about the word of God will determine how well you can recognize a person who knows the word of God. Imagine somebody telling you to read Psalms. Let's use another example. Imagine somebody asking you to read a scripture for healing uh, when you actually need um a scripture for boldness or somebody asking you to read a scripture or confess a scripture for breakthrough 
when what you actually need is healing. So what I'm trying to say to you is that if you understand the word of God properly and what scripture should be used in a particular context, you will be able to recognize someone who may be advising you to use a scripture for a particular situation. So in a sense, the fact that a person can quote the scriptures does not know does not mean that they know what they are saying or how to use the scripture. Make sense? So is it that this person can prophesy? The fact that a brother or sister in the church can prophesy? Is that how you define a good friendly person? All right. Now let me sh- say this to you. Are you ready for this? Come on. I would like to sit down carefully. Just calm down and just relax so that you can take this. Now, not every Christian is God-fearing. Yeah, you had me right. Not every Christian is God-fearing. And I want to say to you, the attribute of a God-fearing person, I mean the common attributes that people associate with a God-fearing person, which I've listed in the past few minutes, the fact that a person has those attributes does not mean they are God-fearing. You don't need to faint. You don't need to give up. So if you're dating someone right now, they seem to have all these attributes. I'm not trying to sow a seed of doubt in your mind if you should go ahead with this relationship, if you should marry them or not. No, 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 no. I'm just trying to help you to understand what it truly means to be God-fearing so that you're not blown away by the superficial characteristics or attributes that you see. There's more to what it means to be God-fearing than the physical attribute or the gesticulations and the display, the the, the dramatic expression that people have. Now, if if you have heard about these guys called the Pharisees in the Bible, these are the guys that uh, are the uh, strictest uh, sect among the Jews. I mean, these guys, they literally obey the laws to the letter, right? But when Jesus came, Jesus was exposing them in the sense that this guy's intentions, motives, and heart is not right with God. But outwardly, you know, they seem to be the ideal and the perfect and the holy set of people, but their hearts was not right. So I'm not trying to say that all Christians are behaving like Pharisees or most Christians are behaving like Pharisees, but I'm only trying to call out to you that God is more concerned about the content of our heart than the actions we portray. So if you are looking for somebody who is God-fearing, it has to be principally about what they believe in their heart and where their heart is as regards to God, as relates to God. Anyone can act Anybody can make, make a good actor. Anyone can put on a, a character when they are coming to church or when they are coming to visit you to make them look or appear as the ideal person or somebody who fears the Lord. Don't be fooled by this uh, physical attribute. And you and I know that many times, you know what I'm talking about, many times we, are, we, we appear in our best behavior, but that's not truly who we are in certain sense. So, not to sound like I'm trying to throw stones or condemn anyone, I found myself in situations whereby what is really in my heart is that I am highly displeased about the situation, but I appear as if I'm smiling. 
Now, somebody may say, I'm being fake. No. I'm just trying to really conduct myself because if I should really express how I feel about a situation, people may run. I'm not saying I go overboard and become aggressive, but I try to conduct myself so well that I'm able to not put people off or send people away from me. And then at the end of the day or when the crowd is gone, then I have a one-to-one with them. So I'm not trying to say that we pretend, but I'm trying to say that we can manage our our behavior and our appearance, our manner, our manner of um, speaking. We can conduct ourselves in public, in places. Not that we are trying to be fake, but most sometimes how we appear is not what is actually going on in our mind. And also to also put this in a more positive context, it's also good to a very much extent that we mind how we conduct ourselves in public. So the fact that you are angry about a situation does not mean you should start raging and destroying things, throwing stones at people, right? So in as much as we can conduct our behavior to ensure that we represent God well in any circumstance or situation, likewise, many people can also conduct themselves to represent God well in public. But that does not mean they fear the Lord. I hope you're going to get this. So I said, not every Christian is God-fearing. Not every Christian fears the Lord. And this is what I mean. What does it mean to you for a person to fear the Lord? What does the fear of the Lord mean to you? So think about it. You might might pause or you may want to pause this uh, podcast and think about this when we say the fear of the lord what does it mean to you right you can i hope you've taken note of your own answer now listen to this carefully a person is god fearing to you to the level of your understanding of the fear of the lord i repeat a person is god fearing to you to the level of your understanding of the fear of the lord So whatever definition you have written down as what it means to fear the Lord will determine how you identify or recognize or define a person in the context of how well they fear the Lord. Let's quickly look at one definition of the fear of the Lord. Now, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 8 verse 13, It says, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hope you have an eye on your own definition of the fear of the Lord. So let me describe that to you in a more um, practical sense. Now it means to fear the Lord is to reverence him, to have a deep respect for him, not by rendering lip service, but by obedience to his commandment. I repeat, to fear the Lord is to reverence him, to have deep respect for him, not simply by rendering lip service, but by obedience to his commandment. Now, the commandment of the Lord is to walk in love. Now, let's look into the word of God to find a few commandments. Now, the Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 to 5, Follow God's example. Therefore, as beloved, as dearly loved children, 
and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So I'm reading from the NIV. I'll take that again. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and and sacrifice to God. Verse 30 says, But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking which are out of place but rather things given. Let's take the few uh, key points in these verses. Verse 3 calls out hint of sexual immorality in the movies you watch, in the things you entertain, the secret sins you commit behind the scenes. Impurity. Think about it. Anything that that uh, triggers uh, uh, lust in you or triggers greed, you know, uh, when you buy, you want people to accept you, you want to impress, you want to show off anything that triggers greed or impurity in you. Obscenity. Obscenity today, even among pastor's wife, does not even make any sense. You know, it seems to be like a culture where the pastor's boobs are throwing out, literally, and the cord is fashion. You know, common sense should tell us that we live in a highly sexualized society and when we display the essential part of us, it sends a signal, and now I'm talking about, I'm, I'm particular about ladies here, it sends a signal or it triggers a signal in the brain of men who are constantly and continuously exposed to sexual immorality in our society. On the internet, on the, on our billboards, newspapers, magazines, we can say we are not, we are not aware of the sexual immorality in our society. So, flaunting our boobs and, you know, showing off our legs in a kind of indecent way and all kind of things that we do, right? We can't say we are not aware of how this affects people. Okay, and if you are not aware, I'm saying to you as a man, and I'm just speaking to ladies, you know, when you, when you flaunt your boobs, when you show up your legs, when you flirt with men, when you do all those kind of things in order, in order to get attention to yourself and make yourself feel good, you are walking in the boundaries of obscenity. Because when we talk about obscenity, we are talking about something that is obscene, something of portraying or describing sexual matters. So in your conduct, in your behavior, in your conversations in your jest, in your look. Now, are you portraying or describing sexual matters as a single person? So the Bible tells us about sexual immorality, impurity, greed, obscenity, foolish talking. And when they talk about obscenity, even many Christians don't see anything wrong in, in using foul and dirty language. Can I also add this bonus to you? 
So you can fill your mind with movies, songs, uh, movies, music that are so impure, full of sexual immorality, greed, impurity, obscenity, and not expect that you will produce after the kind of those things. You can't. Whatever you put in your mind over a period of time is what you will produce in terms of your actions and your attitude towards people. Some people who are constantly practicing obscenity today may not even recognize that what they are struggling with today is an harvest or a, a manifestation of an accumulation of a lot of wrong and negative deposit they put in their mind. So when a person say they, they're trying to identify a God-fearing person and they do not know or do not recognize or do not respect God, respect the laws of God, some of which I've called out here, how would they be able to recognize somebody else who is God-fearing? So if to you, impurity, greed, obscenity, foolish talking, sexual immorality is not anything bad, if your commitment to God and respect to God is, does not cover this area. So how do you expect that you will, you will attract, you will find someone who is, who is very God-fearing? I hope I'm making some sense here. So I'm saying to you, a person is God-fearing to you to the level of your understanding of the fear of the Lord. So if your, fear, if your own understanding of the fear of the Lord does not cover these areas and many more, then what is it that you fear the Lord? So what are you looking for in a man? So you must be looking for, looking for a spouse, a man or a woman, to suit your own carnal desires, your own definition of God-fearing. Because I've met singles that, you know, they don't see anything wrong in having sex with a person, you know, to try them hard before they buy all kind of things that people, all kind of lies that people believe. And they claim to fear the Lord. Now, the thing is this. Sexual immorality and all these kind of things are of the flesh and these are the places, this is the realm where the devil dwells. When you're sexual immorality, I'm not talking about sex. I'm talking about sexual immorality. And when I say sexual immorality, I'm talking about any kind of sexual practice that is um, outside the confines of marriage. And when I say marriage, I'm talking about marriage between a man and a woman, a male and a female. So any kind of sexual expression you experience or you love to participate in or engage in that is outside the confines of marriage between a man and a woman is sexual immorality. So, if you want to identify a God-fearing person, you need to first of all assess your own level of understanding of the fear of the Lord. Your fear of the Lord, is he in full or in part? Right? So, I have a few uh, advice for you. One, harboring secret sins means that you are tolerating evil within yourself and you can't hide in darkness. So, I advise you, make a clean break from sin and commit yourself completely to God. As a lady, as a guy, if you don't want to keep attracting people who is going to use you and dump you, you must come to terms with understanding what it truly means to fear the Lord. So, one, be honest with yourself. 
if you want to be able to identify a God-fearing spouse to be, one, you must be honest with yourself. So what I'm simply saying to you is this. Being able, if you have been following my podcast, you realize that I don't leave the power and the responsibility to another person. I start with you. I start with us. Because what happens to us, you know, has a lot to do with us. How we approach things, our mindset, our way of thinking. In a sense, many of us will be able to avoid trouble and problems in our lives if we get things right from the start or if you have the right foundation in our lives. So if you want to be able to identify a God-fearing person, I would say don't start with creating a list and looking for someone, a man or a woman, and assess them against the list. I said, let's start with you. Can you be honest with yourself and identify or clarify if you actually fear the Lord, reverence and respect the laws of God, the commandment of God in full or in part? And if in part, why do you fear and respect the Lord in part? Because if you fear the Lord in part, you will not attract a man or what you're likely to attract, a man or a woman, will be people who respect and reverence the Lord in part. And you know what that means. Because it means that what they've only shown you is just a little fragment of who they truly are. So if somebody can boast of sin and trust the Lord and the laws and the commandment of God in front of you, right? It means that there's more to them than to what you can see. And likewise, you on your side. So you got to be honest with yourself. Do you truly want a God-fearing person? Then you got to get on the business of being a God-fearing person. So, like I said earlier on, you need to resolve to make a clean break from those sacred sins so that you can clearly see and hear when a God-fearing or a fake one is speaking to you. If you are hiding in the dark and a man or a woman of darkness appears or shows up on the scene, right, you will, you will be very deceived because you are operating with a veiled face because you're also holding things back. And I can tell you with, from experience and from the Word of God, if you're operating in the dark, Right, you will, or if you are holding things back and you have uh, you have some op- dark operations in your life, the enemy will blindfold you and you will not be able to clear- clearly see. If you are walking in deception, you will be easily deceived. So, that thing I want to say is this: you need to commit to growing in your knowledge of God and your relationship with Him. Not only relating with Him so that it can get to a spouse to be. You know, you have to intentionally commit to growing in your knowledge of God, wanting to know God for yourself. You know, you, and you also need to commit to living a life of purpose. Because when you are living a life of purpose for God, right, you, are, you don't live a self-centered life. You are not focused on yourself, but you are focused on serving others for God. Now, you, you, can you say that how I've turned things around to you? Because the thing is this, when you are in a good relationship with God, when you follow the Lord, when you reverence the Lord, when you respect the Lord, you'll be able to, you know, respond to the leading of the Spirit and take the right steps, go in the right direction, and you will not be deceived. I know there's more loaded here in the future when I run workshops on this kind of topics. I'm, I'm sure I'll be able to answer questions and address more points. Now, please take these things very carefully. The points I've shared with you, you know, your list, assess your list carefully. 
you know, just go over this message, this podcast again. You know, when I say message, it's because I'm used to preaching, right? Go over the podcast again and, and you know, ponder on these things, think on these things. You know, call your friends and have these conversations with them. Call your siblings, you know, have this conversation with them. Try to bless someone else with what you've heard, you know. And if this podcast has really helped you, I would like to connect with you. You know, try to you know, connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Let's have a chat. My heartbeat is to help single people to lead an objective relationship into marriage. Many people are throwing stones at marriage. Marriage is not a problem, but the people going into marriage are the problem. So if we can help you to be whole, be sincere, be strong, know your identity, we will have less crises in marriages. So I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for listening.